Would you pause with me as we pray together this morning before opening the word of God? We thank you, O God, for the ways that you have blessed and ministered to our hearts this morning for the songs and the prayers and the presence. And we pray now, O oh God, that you would open up our ears to hear from you. Some of us have experienced great joys this week and others are desperate for a word from you today. Whether we feel it or not, we know we need you. So would you make us aware of our need of you and open up our hearts as we hear from you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It is Mental Health Awareness Month, beloved children of God. This is the month that we people, and especially people of faith, remind each other that we are not alone. We are not alone. We as a community struggle with depression and anxiety, with difficult thoughts, we as a community find relief and support in church community and counseling. We take medications and go to support groups. We gain healing and grace and strength for the journey. We struggle. And our struggle does look different depending on who we are, but we all struggle. So as a Christian leader, I say to you and I remind me, we are not alone. We as the body of Christ, a community of faith, can sometimes make it more difficult than it already is. Sometimes we can equate mental health struggles to a lack of faith. That if you would only trust God more, you could be free from your suffering. We can pile onto the shoulders of those already weighed down or on our own shoulders, put burdens that God doesn't want us to carry. The truth is that we live in a place of struggle as well as joy. So the sermon series that we're in right now called Being Human, Imago Dei, is that you and I are image bearers of God. We, you, myself, we are children of God bearing the image of God. And that means that Jesus, who experienced the full range of emotion, invites us to also experience the same. Jesus, who took on our human flesh, with all of its possibilities and all of its limitations. Jesus, who experiences the compassion and the joy and the anger, sadness, and fear of what it means to be human. Jesus felt deeply. So if you find yourself also holding the complexity of what it means to be human, you're in the very right place because this is how we were made. If we ever had any questions about how God feels about our emotions and about our emotional health, it's answered in the incarnation. For those unfamiliar with that word, the incarnation is God taking on flesh. That Jesus doesn't say, push aside your humanity, but he says, I'm going to become human. I'm gonna take on flesh so that I can show you what it looks like to live in that complexity of what it means to be human, an image bearer. He's not afraid to enter in. What does Mental Health Awareness Month have to do with an end time people? 
Some of you, some studying their Sabbath school quarterly have asked, what does the message of the three angels have to do with the message of mental health? What do these have to do with each other? Well, one of the things that captured my heart when studying the Adventist message was the holistic nature of this message and this way of life. You see, the Adventist message is about emotional and spiritual and physical and mental health. There's not one single part of my life that isn't touched by God. By understanding this way of looking at life, we're invited to live a life of trust, to walk in the ways of God. The everlasting gospel is good news for every area of our lives. Now, what if you're not experiencing health in one of those ways? It's a holistic message, but what if you prayed and lived right and your cancer didn't go into remission? What if you prayed and trusted God, but you still feel paralyzing anxiety? What if you prayed and hoped, but you still find yourself battling depression? Are you just doing it wrong? Is there some way that we are just doing it wrong or not doing something right if we find ourselves still in struggle? Here's the challenge. We swing to extremes as humans. We want to oversimplify complexity and it doesn't help us. It's not truth. You see, we say, God, you have all the control and I have none, or I have all the control and you aren't doing anything. But that's not truth. God gives us choice and there are things we don't control. And to be human is holding the complexity of both of those realities. That you couldn't pray away the pain or the struggle. You are still healed by God and you still make choices. We have a hard time holding the complexity of what it means to be human. I was drawn to this church because there are things that we can do towards fullness of life. Greater spiritual, emotional, physical, and mental health. We can find fuel that optimizes our bodies. We can find patterns of living that encourage our hope. We can embrace knowledge about God that is theology that allows us to have a more loving picture of God and that affects how we relate to this God. We can find abundant life as we walk in the principles God has given us. But that does not mean that if something isn't working in your life that you did something wrong or that God has rejected you. That does not mean that you can control the amount of joy or suffering that you face in your life. Because here we are, receiving the gift of God's abundant grace. We didn't earn the good standing that we have with God, and conversely, we can't lose the favor of God and start to experience suffering because of something we've done. The message of the great controversy is that there's a struggle between good and evil, that we have not yet reached the time when all things will be restored. There are still some principles we can live by. If you are familiar with New Start, nutrition, exercise, water, sunlight, temperance, air, rest, trust, these are beautiful things. And I will not lose holding on to those things even as, sadly, those things have become laced with shame for so many because they were used against people to say how they weren't doing something right. It's all meant to be good news. The rhythms of life that we're invited into that would bring joy to us, sometimes we can have a shame reaction to them because they were used to say to you that you are doing something wrong. 
Shame is the message of I'm bad. And so sometimes these things have become conflated. And so to preach about joy is to heap on shame for some by saying, couldn't you just be more joyful? Couldn't you just be? And it comes back to a weight, a burden, a wrestling. So wherever we are this morning, I want to invite you to think of it as life, as good news. And even if you're not experiencing it right now, to still remember that God is intending good for us, that God seeks after us, that God longs to bring us home. We might catch ourselves wanting to fall into a common human trap, and that is the either-or trap. We say either-or when actually it's both-and. The good news is that we are extended grace and mercy that we don't deserve and don't earn, that we never have to be enough for it. It's free. It's the everlasting gospel. It's a free gift from God for us. Jesus did everything to bring us life. Amen. Full stop. And there's a plea in scripture, choose life. That you have the power to choose. You have the ability to make choices in your life that would bring this abundance. That God wants us to use our choice. So as we focus today on the joy of Jesus, it's one of those very things that I think allowed Jesus to embrace so much joy. That it's not either or, but both and. Jesus' mission was serious. He devoted himself to it day and night. And Jesus was full of joy. He was able to hold both. Many times we say joy or anger, joy or sadness, joy or fill in the blank. But Jesus said joy and pain, joy and anger, joy and despair. That it was right there in the midst. You heard it in Psalm 126 that Asher read so well. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Tears and joy listed side by side. Paul understood this too. 2 Corinthians 6.10, sorrowful and yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. This is one of my favorite verses because it's the complexity. We hold sorrow and yet right alongside it rejoicing. It's not an either or, but a both and. Poverty, and yet making others rich. Having nothing, and yet strangely somehow possessing everything. We want to oversimplify. We want to say, oh, well, I'm not feeling joyful because look at this in my life. Or look at the mess or the pain over here. But it's joy right in the midst. Right in that place. The abundant joy Jesus calls us to is accessible to us as we're willing to not lock the door or push away those things that we deem too negative, but rather holding all of it. Being willing to say, I am feeling exhausted, lost, lonely, despairing, and the everlasting joy of Jesus because he saves me right here in this place. And so we find in the scriptures this more than one emotion. John 16, verse 20, Jesus says, your grief will be turned to joy, and then you will see me again later, and no one will take away your joy. So right now, you're going to have grief and joy side by side, but later, it's gonna be just 
joy. We do have this hope that is coming. We do have this time when we won't have to hold the complexity of it, but right now, they're alongside. John 17, 13 to 15, Jesus says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. They are not of this world any more than I am of this world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Notice, I want you to have the full measure of my joy in you. And the world hates you, and it's going to be really difficult. All in the same prayer, all side by side. Hebrews 2 says that for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross, scorning the shame. That because of the joy, he was able to go through the suffering. He had both side by side. This is our Jesus holding the space for more than one. Can we allow ourselves too to hold the space of more than one emotion, more than one thing? I think that's where we'll find the everyday, ever-present joy of Jesus. I'm so grateful for the courage of Joy Janapan, who's willing to share her story today. I'm encouraged that we get to hear from her. Emily, my name is Joy Janapan, and I've been asked by Pastor Tara to share my labor and delivery story. And I wish I could be there to share with you all in person, but I'm so thankful that I can share my story this way. I do wanna wish all the mothers a happy Mother's Day to the mother figures as well, and for the mothers to be still waiting for their miracles. My beautiful baby boy, Zion Malachi Grayson Janopin, was born on April 26, 2022 at 2.25 p.m. The way in which he came was not the way that I had hoped nor anticipated for. I would have to say that the labor and delivery that I had was traumatic. It wasn't something that I planned for. We hired a doula. I thought I was going to go into labor sooner. So when my OB scheduled me for an induction at 39 weeks, I had no problem with that because I was certain he would come sooner. However, all the ideals that I had were not the reality. After 36 hours of a failed induction, I developed an infection, which was after my um, water was broken and there was concern for the infection to affect the baby. And so at that time, since literally every intervention um, to induce labor would was unsuccessful and not progressing, the decision for a C-section was made. This by far was not the plan. However, I understood that this is what needed to be done. So after signing consent, um, I was quickly wheeled to the OR, prepped, and believe it or not, for me, the worst part of the procedure was the side effect of the spinal tap because it made me not only shiver, but I was, my whole body was so tense or whatever part of my body that I could feel. And I was clenching my jaw so tightly that um, actually throughout the whole procedure, I was biting the insides of my cheeks uncontrollably. 
um, I was involuntarily lifting my arm, which Greg was holding my hand and telling me to drop my arm, and I had no idea I was doing that. But I just felt so uncomfortably tense that um, the the part where you know they drop the drape and they show you your baby is supposed to be this beautiful time and um, a, a moment full of joy unfortunately was not for me it was uncomfortable and I could not enjoy the moment um, and so you know thankfully um, Zion had arrived safely and though I had to mourn the labor and delivery that I had, I was also able to experience the joy of my son being born and remembering that in the midst of everything seemingly going wrong, God is faithful. I prayed for um, healthy mom, healthy baby, and praise God, that's what happened. Um, I'm okay, Zion's doing great. And it took me a year to process and reflect to be able to share my story with joy, although I mourned the labor and delivery that I did not have. And what comes to mind is the verse in the Bible, Psalms 35, that talks about joy coming with the morning as in the daytime, but I can't help but also associate it with morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, which is what I experienced. And what I have learned in motherhood is that um, two things can be true at once, that it doesn't necessarily have to be or, but it can be both and. And what I mean by that is my labor was both hard and beautiful. I experienced both um, fear and happiness. And after I experienced mourning, um, I was able to feel the joy. So um, I just hope that God receives the glory in this story, that he remained faithful and I praise God for such a beautiful son. Blessings on the rest of this message. I invited Joy to share because after a year of processing, she with courage posted on social media the more full story. So she allowed herself to grieve for this last year and to experience both the joy and the grief right alongside. But she posted pictures in the more full story, giving voice to the mix of what life is, the mix of what it means. And so here are some that she shared with me that I get to share with you of that moment when dear Zion was born and then also all the way through to this cute smile. This <laughs> And his first birthday, which was just a couple weeks ago, that little wild one with his amazing smile. This beautiful family that God brought together. The message for those of us who, it might not be about birth, but it's about something else. The message is embracing both. <laughs> 
And I loved how she said the mourning led to joy. Letting things be alongside will allow us to actually experience more depth of joy, um, more experience with what God is doing right here, right now in our lives. Yeah, it might not look like what it did before. You might not have the relationship with someone you had before or the ability that you had before or the mental or physical capacity you had before or the money you had before or the whatever it is, but letting yourself be right here now with the mix of what that is. I wonder what your picture of Jesus is like. I wonder what your image of him is like in your mind. If only we could get a snapshot right now of a rendition, if we were able to download that image. I would love to show those on the screen. That would be amazing. Don't ask AI to draw it. It's probably going to be kind of odd. My husband's been doing that a lot, asking it to draw different things. And it's always like six fingers and six toes, and it's just random stuff. But if I could see the images of your minds right now and what Jesus looked like, what would it look like? Would, would Jesus have a sparkle in his eye? Would he have a huge smile on his face? Would there be a, a skip in his step? Is he telling a funny story, joking with one of the disciples? Because I wonder if you can picture Jesus on a serious mission of salvation, right alongside the joy of what we know he embraced. Because I, he said in John, I want you to have the full measure of my joy in you. So that means he must have been experiencing some seriously beautiful joy. And I wonder if we have that picture of Jesus. In Luke 10 it says, at that time Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. So it even acknowledges in this verse that the, the joy that he was experiencing was an infilling of the Spirit. So even if we're in the midst of something, we can have an infilling of joy that holds us right alongside the grief or right alongside whatever else that we are experiencing. Jesus says, I want you to have my fullness of joy. I'm wondering today, do you believe Jesus longs for you to have joy? Do you believe that Jesus longs for you, his disciple, to have joy? Joy made full, just like he had joy here. You see, even though it's not, we don't, any of us have the same experience, it's important for us to understand God's heart towards us, God's desire for us, God's love for us, that God longs for your joy. Right here, right now, right in this complexity of what this life is. And that joy is accessible to us. People often separate, and you'll hear messages where joy is separate from happiness. Um, the Bible doesn't make the distinction so strongly as we do sometimes in messages. Both happiness and joy are used interchangeably, along with the words gladness and mirth in the scriptures, which refer to a happy feeling. But the primary difference is the source of our joy. That joy from the world is fragile, fragile and fleeting, just like Ecclesiastes 2 says, but joy from God is not circumstantial. It's deep, it's committed, it's eternal. Charles Spurgeon said, believers are not dependent upon circumstances. Their joy comes not from what they have, but from what they are. Not from where they are, but from whose they are. Not from what they enjoy, 
but from that which was suffered for them by their Lord. I love that verse, that quote, because it talks about this deep and lasting experience. There's something very tempting to us about escaping the world. And one commentator points out that millions of dollars are spent trying to lure us to escape. It's been an ever-present problem of humanity from the Bible times till now that we want to escape the suffering. And often when we see this beautiful picture in the scriptures of, of what we're called to, this world without suffering, this world without pain, we want it even more. But the challenge is that our faith is to cause us to lean in more into this world. Jesus says, I speak these things that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. And he says that right alongside, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but protect them from the evil one. He asked that we could have joy right here, right here, right now. Not escaping, not removing ourselves, but right here, right now. Apparently, fullness of joy is something we can access right in this place. Is there any way that you sense the Holy Spirit calling you to joy right where you are? Even as we remember that there's a future and there's a hope when our joy will not be taken away, is there any way that the Holy Spirit's calling you to experience it right in your experience right now? So I remind you of that future hope with this quote from Great Controversy. It says, the great controversy is ended Sin and sinners are no more. The entire universe is clean. One pulse of harmony and gladness beats through the vast creation. From him who created all flowed life and light and gladness. Throughout the realms of illimitable space, from the minutest atoms to the greatest world, all things animate and inanimate, in their unshadowed beauty and perfect joy, declare that God is love. That's what's coming. And then right here in this place, Jesus says, I want you to have full measure of joy. Right here, right in this place. So perhaps the word of God to you today is instead of either or, could it be a both and? Could you be invited to experience the joy of Jesus right in this place?